So I use the power of leverage in terms of money, people, and deal. So I realized when I have my first, second, and third property, Are you a real estate investor looking to sharpen your skills or a newbie looking to become one? You're in the right place. Welcome to Where Should I Invest? Real Estate Investing in Canada with your host, Sarah Larby. Hey, it's Sarah Larby. Welcome back. You are listening to Where Should I Invest? And today's guest is going to be Jenny Lynn Gagatiga, who came to Canada in 2007 and scaled her portfolio from zero to 47 doors in a few short years using a variety of real estate strategies. So I think you are in for a treat today. And also, don't forget, we have an all-inclusive retreat at Inspire Beach Resort happening August 9th to 11th where there's going to be a ton of opportunities to network, to learn, to grow. My private chef is going to be providing all the food. We've got a bartender and a company that's going to be providing all the drinks, a pontoon boat, axe throwing, and everything in between. Everything is inclusive and it is going to be a retreat like none other. So if you are interested, send me an email, sarah at sarahlarby.com while spots are still available. And on that note, before we bring in Jenny, though, I think it's always important to look and figure out who you need on your power team. And one of the reasons I left my nine to five was because I was able to scale with Streetwise Mortgages. And I've asked Dahlia and her team to put together some insights every single week, something different, some key takeaways. So Dahlia, what is exciting and new that you want to share this week? Hi, I'm Dahlia, founder of Streetwise Mortgages, and in the next episode, starting with this one, I will share with you some creative financing strategies that can help you 10x the size of your portfolio and how to utilize these strategies effectively. Today, we will discuss private money. Private money involves borrowing from non-traditional lenders such as directly from private individuals, corporations, or through mortgage brokers who have access to such funds through various channels. Private money is the most expensive type of capital to use as an investor. Therefore, you have to be aware of all of the costs involved, such as higher interest rates, lender fees, broker fees, legal fees, and exit fees. Due to the higher costs, this type of capital is best utilized for short-term investing, such as the burst strategy or a flip or a project where you may not be able to get traditional bank financing to kickstart the project, such as a development or construction. There is an abundance of private money available to you as an investor, and therefore you have the power to shop and negotiate terms that work best for your projects, from loan to value, to interest rates, to frequency of payment, as well as fees. The process of qualifying for private money is more lenient and often lenders close on a short notice. To use this strategy effectively, here are the things you need to plan for. Number one, validate and plan your exit strategy before entering a private money deal. An exit strategy refers to how you will pay back the private loan at or before the maturity of the loan. Assuming that you will be able to refinance with a cheaper lender once the term is up or taking someone's word for it is not an exit strategy. Invest the time upfront to work with an experienced mortgage broker who can review all of your documents and plans upfront and confirms which lender you can refinance with once the term is up. This way, there are no surprises when the term comes up for renewal. Number two, get independent legal advice. 
Private mortgage approvals are not standard, and each agreement is different. Review the commitment with your lawyer before you sign. You do not want to be caught off guard at renewal with crazy renewal fees or terms that work against you. And finally, be careful with 100% financing. 100% financing sounds amazing for many investors as they can pick up properties with nothing in the deal. It is, however, a two-edged sword for two reasons. One, 100% financing often involves securing the mortgage against another property through a cross-collateral, which reduces your flexibility and exposes your other assets to the risk of the loan in case something goes wrong. Also, 100% financing means that you need a significant lift to the value of the property to pay off such loan at 80% of the value at the time of a refinance. If you are looking for competitively priced funds with assurance about your exit strategy or guidance on where to utilize private money within your portfolio, our team at Streetwise Mortgages will help you unlock your possibilities. Email us at info at streetwisemortgages.com. Cheers to your success. Awesome. Thank you so much, Dahlia. And uh, feel free, guys, to reach out to Streetwise Mortgages if you need help scaling your portfolio. On that note, let's uh, bring in Jenny to the podcast. Jenny, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm okay. Good. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. We met back in 2018 and, and we were just talking and I'm like, I, I want to record this because I think there's going to be some great content that comes out of it. Cause I, cause one of my questions was, you know, how has life been treating you, I guess, since the last two, three years, since we've, uh, haven't had a chance really to network with each other. Maybe just let's, let's talk about that. Let's talk about the day that we met. Do you want to, do you want to give us a little scenario on that? Yeah. Yeah. I, I guess let's flash back a little bit Okay, where I started so that we can get the gist on the, the highlight of the one that we had met. <laughs> so, sure. so I'm a, a pharmacist by profession from the Philippines. I'm an immigrant. I came in 2007 together with my family, my husband and my three young kids. And I have a fourth one who's Canadian born. So we bought our principal residence way back in 2009 in Mississauga. And then after like five years, uh, we're about to refinance our property to buy a bigger house to move to uh, a bigger house because our family is growing. And then my realtor at the time said, why would you need a bigger house? Why just buy a second property where you can rent it? And then like, you know, that's your income and that's your retirement as well too. So true enough. So I kind of like think, and then he said to me, like, you know, the kids will just move out in like, you know, a quick phase that you won't even realize or remember. So five minutes forward, he said, then I followed his advice. So lucky enough, I was able to get two blocks away from my residence, which is a slightly bigger on my house. And the day of the closing, we got already a tenant in place. So I was so happy because like, I don't know what I'm doing. I just give everything to him. He screened out all the necessary information. And then I was so happy on the first month that I get those rents until one year. But past one year... Okay, hang on. Um, Wait, let, let me just stop you there. We'll talk about the past one year situation in a second. But did you stay in your current place or did you move to the house that's a few blocks down and rent the place that you were living at before? Oh, we, up to this date, we still live in the same place. Okay, so you moved. just bought another house very, very close by also in Mississauga. Found yeah. the tenants. Okay, so, so you're 
you were collecting rents, things were going well for what, the first year? Yeah, yeah, during the first year. And after one year, like, here's the story. When he moved in, it's kind of like funny because like this guy is so meticulous. And when he moved in, all his furnitures are like, you know, top of the line. His mm. furnitures are much even better than my furnitures. So I said, oh my gosh, as if I live in a hotel here when I visited his how, place. How did you find him? Did, how, did you do some screening? My realtor did the screening because like, you know, I don't know what I know now. So I just leave it up to him because he said like his experience, I know how to get all those information. I totally nothing, know nothing at all. And I never, never imagined in my wildest dream that I will be doing what I'm doing right now. Okay, so what happened? So I feel like there's a story after the one-year mark. Yes. So he got into a messy divorce, so he stopped paying. And then when he stopped paying, it's kind of like, you know, I cannot sleep, um, like, you know, for the past few days because that man is actually supporting, um, like, you know, all the finances on it. So when, when I have, like, you know, stopped income on that property, I don't have enough income to support the second property so kind of like i said where would i get the money to fill in to pay for the mortgages and utilities so that's where i began to wonder and that's where i began to seek help so my google is my friend i search all the estate organization out there available uh, to have the same situation and who could help me out at the time and it so happened that like um, this organization based in Oakville was just clipping on my email for two years to attend their free seminar. And then so I did attend that free seminar. And so I met you <laughs> during that um, event. And at the time, I'm having like issue already on how to navigate. And I reach out to a paralegal. And I also even asked you and I even like, you know, get your contact number to have a views on what to do with that and your insight really helped me a lot and then moving on I realized like you know in in a business you need to educate yourself especially this one that I got into this situation that I know nothing at all so moving forward I learned my lesson very hard and so I took the time to educate myself and after that I reached out to like high profile um investors who's been doing good and um screening their tenants very well. I took all the courses about landlord tenancy and at the same time property management. So never, never in my day or life that I would feel that situation that I am, I am in before. I have a lot of questions before we move on. So was that the first, the first time you were going to networking event the first time that we met? Yes, exactly. Oh, wow. cool. Okay. So, so yeah, because I remember talking and you're like, I have this problem with my tenant and he stopped paying. And then, you know, so like obviously with the landlord tenant board and the residential mm -hmm. tenancies act, can I ask how many months he was not paying for by the time that you reached out to a paralegal? Oh, he's uh, like, it's almost like, I think like over a month. Okay. And then you got your paralegal on it. How long did it take you? Like, so how did that end? Like, how did, did he end up leaving? Did you have to do cash for keys, go to the board? What happened? Yeah. So uh, the paralegal assigned to me, he, she didn't charge me anything. She just gave me guidance and tell me what to do and what to fill up at the board. So I fill up those form. And at the same time, uh, when, um, uh, after like, you know, waiting period, because there's a waiting period on that one. And then she said to me, fill up the second one. 
And then when we get to the sheriff, she said, advise me to file that so that when she, when he doesn't move out, then at least you have the sheriff in place. True enough, and luckily enough, like, you know, before the sheriff came at the house, he was already gone. And it so happened that I have a good list in place. Mm -hmm. And I was able to recall all the unpaid rents to his partner. You were able, sir. You were able to get the get paid back. Yeah, get paid, but all unpaid rents. Okay, good. And utilities as well too, because I have, I reach out to the lady, and that's the time that I realized that they're not together anymore. Mm. And so I reach out to her that, like you know, your partner is not paying for almost like two months, and then um, this is the owing of owing money that you need to pay because you're part of the list and then she went to her lawyer and i think the lawyer advised her as well like you know you want to get a mortgage and you want to buy your own home as well if this one put into a credit bureau you won't be able to buy so you'd rather pay rather than ignore it so she paid me all the remaining amounts so it's a happy story it's a happy ending that is that is good so like obviously this was your very first property and yes. you know i think today you've got about 47 doors we'll talk about that in a second but that was your very first property you know what was going through your mind as you were dealing with the paralegal with the tenant that wasn't paying like were, were you thinking that like why did i get into real estate investing like i should have just bought a bigger house for myself and my family like what was what was what were you thinking yeah uh, i kind of think really straight actually to begin with because i have like sleepless nights because what i'm thinking where would i get the money to pay for the second mortgage that's what i'm thinking so i said i reach out to different people um in google is my friend so i reach out and i found you and i found the rest of the group and so i joined them and the rest is history and way back in 2018 uh, i bought another two but this time i did took the time to educate myself what is the process how do I fill up so that's the time that I learned how to manage my own property and not just rely in anyone or even just my realtor and now we're going to take a quick break to hear from one of our sponsors hey guys just want to take a quick moment and introduce you to a key member of my power team Dylan Suter is my realtor who's been working very hard to find me amazing deals and Dylan, I'm a big proponent in working with realtors that are investors. And Dylan is truly an investor. Welcome, Dylan. And thank you so much for being a sponsor. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I want to first thank you for having us as a sponsor. We're really grateful to be working with you and all of the support you've given us over the past couple of years. So thank you so much for that. And our focus as Elevation Realty is to focus our attention primarily on real estate investors that are looking to replace their active income with a passive income and go enjoy what they like most, such as time with the family or up at the cottage, whatever it may be. So what we do is we focus our attention on creating a plan specific for each client, whether that is something they want to have five properties in five years and be able to sit on them for 10 years and then sell them and retire on the, the equity. Or if they're looking to scale their portfolio and retire in the next 12 months, we can look at doing that as well through joint ventures or Airbnb short-term rentals. We can talk through buildings, buy, renovate, refinance, single family purchases, and the list goes on. That's awesome. Now, Dylan, if people wanted to reach out and get help from you, where can they go? They can check us out online at www.elevationrealty.ca, E-L-E-V-A-T-I-O-N, realty.ca. 
or they can email us at info at elevationrealty.ca. Give us a call or text at 905-592-4220 or check us out at The Right Club or other meetup groups that we're usually at as well. Amazing. Thank you so much, Dylan. It is awesome working with you as always. And now back to the show. And now back to the show. It sounds like networking and, and having the right team is re- and, and getting educated is really what's, what's helped you move past it. Yeah, exactly. And I get in touch with a former adjudicator uh, who turned paralegal where I bought this package that uh, would help me all the associated forms and how to fill up the, um, the lease agreement. So it's just like, you know, kind of like moving forward. It's just peanut for me to fill out all those information. And even my friends like who bought properties in um, downtown Toronto, they always reach out to me. So I said, oh my goodness. So I would have another like, you know, placement. And even I have my own vacancy on my own property, but they're my friends. <laughs> so are you still working full-time right now? Yes, I'm still working full-time. So, okay. And- so you're working full-time and it says that you went from zero to 47 doors. Walk us through how you did that while working a full-time job. Yeah, so I mentioned the leverage. So I used the power of leverage in terms of money, people, and deal. So I realized when I have my uh, first, second, and third property, so my broker told me that you're capped out already. You cannot buy any more property. So I realized like, you know, there are some other people that wanted to buy their property, but they don't know how to do. And I got already the, a little bit of education and skills, how to do it. So I partnered with them. The very first uh, JB partner uh, that I have was, she was the one on the title. We put the money together and I managed the property until from the time that it was bought and sold. And then I have another partner as well, it's a different strategy. So I use the application of money, people, and deal where I could be part of the money, I could be part of the people, or part of the deal itself. Can you can you walk us through? I mean, because I I you know I know there there's like it's like a triangle. There's money on on one end of the triangle. There's people and there's the deal. And depending on what you bring into the table, that's how you structure the JV. But maybe just walk us through a little bit in more detail to somebody that's hearing that the very first time. You know why those three things? Why are they important? Yeah, those are very important, especially like, you know, if you're missing one of the components and you find someone that has that component. So at the time, like, you know, I cannot qualify for the mortgage because I have like, you know, owning a property in Mississauga is almost like at the time half a million. And then as your mortgage grow, that limits your debt income ratio. And then so I have another partner that I found that who knew nothing about real estate. And I coach him and I encourage him to change his mindset by, atta- by attending a real estate group because um, it would be hard to really work with her as a partner if she has all those like, you know, negativity, she needs to change the mindset. So when she changed the mindset, she approached me and she said, I'm ready to go. I want to buy a property. So I reached out to my power team and let her qualify for the mortgage. And I told her like, you know, I got you through the way. I manage the property, I get the deal, and then we'll work together. So she's the money partner, I'm the managing partner. 
Okay, awesome. And, and you talked about power team a, a few times and there's lots of different members. I mean, you probably have, you know, 10 different partners in your power team or, or members in your power team who are maybe three of the most critical ones that helped you go, you know, and scale. Yeah, so I have one partner that we have 16 door together. Yeah, no, so, sorry. I meant like in terms of power team, like a mortgage broker, or a lawyer, oh, okay. like, you know, like those professional power team members, like who are some of the main key ones that you added on your team? Could be a coach, it could be a network, you know, networking group, anything really ultimately um, that really like helped you be able to like jump out of your comfort zone and, and buy a lot of properties. Yeah. So the number one that I have, of course, my source of financing. And then that is my mortgage broker. And then at the same time, I connected with the person whom I reached out as a mentor as well, who's a realtor, who guide me what are the properties that I need to look for. Because when I was just starting, I just want a turnkey uh, property because it's just less headache for me, right? Mm -hmm. But the value of it itself will not appreciate as much as you're doing birth. So that's a good strategy for everyone to start with so that you don't, um, you condition yourself to be pre prepared as you go on with experience. So my realtor mentioned to me, like, you know, just go with the first, second uh, property that are turnkey, and then it's up to you to move forward. And so I move forward. So the next property, and I always like, you know, think ahead of the curve. When I do now, I have the keen, I have the eye already and the skills to look for the property that I like. But in, at the back of my mind is like, I always have the mindset that I would like to be ahead of the curve where nobody is looking when I'm investing. And so what's, that's what I did way back then in Mississauga. Because at the time, like, you know, investing in Mississauga is not really like a deal. It's just like finding your first um, home property. And then I moved to Niagara because like, you know, there's a little spread already there and a little information, but not all investors are moving to Niagara. So I moved there earlier than majority of the people. And then I went on a second trip as well to go to Windsor. So I took a dive to a 15-door units in Windsor. And at the time, way back in 2019, nobody was looking in Windsor. And right now, if you go to Windsor, you cannot even stop a land on a duplex. It's all like bidding walk. So I get out of Windsor. I went to Sudbury. So that was last year. Last year was not that really hot as compared. Early last year was not that really um, hot as compared to this year. And I bought those properties like, you know, nobody was buying. And it's been there for two or three months. But if you go like past March of this year, you cannot even stand alone to buy. And all of the people are overbidding. So I said, I have to stay away from those. So I moved further. And then I went to Timmins. Uh, so I bought like, you know, a, a duplex there as well. And then that duplex is um, like you wouldn't find anything on that price. So that price is almost like 20% less from the price that I bought it. So those are my most strategy and I started to begin to burn on those properties because, but when I'm burning, I don't like something like a heavy renovations. So I have a criteria already when I'm looking for a perfect burn, which just need like a light cosmetic renovations where 
um, I'm looking for like two units and up where it has a separate entrance already, a big window. I don't care whether it's legal or illegal because like it's not an issue applying a permit to the city. So that's not an issue for me. I have my team with um, architect who can just lay out for that and they can just like arrange all the necessary documents to put into place. So it's, it's very cool. So you went from, you know, trying to figure out ahead of your, ahead of the time, ahead of the, all the other investors, which cities made sense from a cash flow standpoint, mm-hmm. from a burr standpoint, you know, going from, you know, your buy and hold in Mississauga to Niagara and then going to Windsor, going to Sudbury. Now you're in Timmins. Where, where do you think, where do you think you would go next after that? You, have you yeah. started analyzing other markets or are you going to stick it out in Timmins for a while? Um, I have an, an under uh, a duplex under contract in Timmins, and I have a closing of eight units next year in Sudbury. But I did pick up a legal duplex in Calgary, and it's closing next year. Okay, all right, nice. Why why Calgary? Why Ontario to Calgary? What was the benefit for you? Yeah, that's a good question as well too, because like a lot of people are moving to New Brunswick. So I said, when I'm comparing, like I, I have my three fundamentals with me that I look for because I'm a research junkie. I do a lot of research after my nine to five job, go to the internet and my Google is my best friend. So I always look for first infrastructure, second population, third is the job. Like comparison between the two markets is I see more potential on Calgary because there's a lot of skilled people there. And I'm seeing a lot of like immigrants are skilled people. They're graduate of engineering uh, background and at the same time health and science background, which is we have that one in Calgary where they have the now, um, I think um, Amazon have invested 4.3 billion in the city. And we have the hospital there and research center, which is the University of Alberta. And we have another hospital that are deploying in um, the southeast of, southwest of Calgary. And then in terms of future growth, I think a lot of immigrants, because like Ontario is so expensive. And the price of house here, even the pre-construction, they're tied up with so many taxes. When you buy a pre-con, you have all those levy taxes, you have um, additional parking fees, additional locker fees. Unlike in Calgary, those are all inclusive. And it's under your budget where it's just like, you know, under 300. Because if you want to scale up, you should be looking at the price point. Like your salary is not a ratio and proportion with the price of the house. So based on the salary average of the people earning money, household income, probably you're looking around like 60 to 100,000 and you multiply that if you don't have a debt, multiply that by five, probably it can be up around like, you know, 50 times five, 250,000 to 500,000. And that's where you can find in Calgary. Because you can find that one in Ontario, in GTA, it's only a condo. But there, it's, it's still a house. You can still find like legal duplex, which is a pre-construction under that range. I mean, it's interesting. You know, I haven't, I haven't looked into Calgary personally that much, um, you know, but I, I look at also, you know, the, the market cycles just in general mm-hmm. by province, right? And then I look at like more ups and downs for Calgary mm-hmm. versus Ontario, like we have much longer 
you know, cycles, real estate investing cycles, because everything comes up, everything comes down, you know, comes up again, comes down again. Yeah. It's very quick. Are you doing anything? And I mean, this could be Ontario as well, because, you know, nobody knows what the future holds, but are you doing anything yeah. in particular to mitigate some of the potential future downside if something happens? Yeah, I always, um, I don't buy like a single Camelon phone majority. I always buy something like two units and up. So when the market is done and that can cover the rent, I always look for the cash flow. Mm -hmm. uh, appreciation is just a bonus. But I also have like a balanced portfolio where I have the cash cow and the cash flow. When I say a cash cow, those are the small units because like you just do birth on it and it's a quick money and you can easily sell it. So those one in the terms of like, you know, downtime, you can just sell it because people need a place to live, right? And those are starter home that they can provide three, three bedrooms um, in two units and they can have a second income. So that would be easy to sell as compared to like, you know, a cash flow, which is that bigger units, five units and up. So that stabilizes as well too. That supports your retirement to begin with. So I like to have both so that I kind of like, you know, mitigate the risk whether I should go more on small units when the market is done or should I be going to a multifamily to have a more stable income. Yeah, that's interesting how you broke it down by cash cows and cash flows. Mm -hmm. right? Cash cows are you know, the, the burrs and, you know, mm -hmm. you can have an exit as, as selling as an option if needed. And then the cash flows in your definition that you just said there are your bigger units, but they also are based on the NOI and the net operating income, right? So the ups and downs of the markets won't affect it as much as the ups and downs in rents mm -hmm. in the market should something happen, which, you know, looking back and again, you know, I don't have a crystal ball and I don't all know, all know the, every single answer to everything, but from what I think is the rents haven't really ever come down in Ontario. I can't speak about Calgary. Um, yeah. Since where a large multi-family would be affected per se. Maybe, you know, maybe the cap rates could change a little bit, but in terms of the rent standpoint, mm -hmm. I, I don't think that the rent's ever gone down in a crisis. If anything, it probably goes up because more people need to rent for those larger multis. I know. And it's based on economic update as well, too. Like I always like, for me, there's only two things that I watch. I don't watch TV, but I usually watch like CP24, Economic Update, and HGTV. So on Economic Update, what are the news that are being brought to us by the government? So the last few months, they said that they will bring up the population. So what does it mean? So where would they go, right? They cannot all fit in Ontario. Where's the job there? There's not... Well, I don't say that there's no job there, but it's just critical to be completing with other, like, you know, um, skilled people that who have been there for a while. But in Calgary, and I see a lot of, like, immigrants, they are skilled. And as I've said a later, uh, a while ago, um, they came with an engineering and health science background, which majority of the immigrants that were here. But I look at the economic update and realize, like, every 10-year cycle, we have sort of like a downstream. And remember that way back in 1999, that there's a crash as well too. And then recovery period took like, you know, two to five years. And then way back in 1990, uh, 2008 and 2009, that's where I bought my principal residence. So I get it very, very low, like 50,000 
at the time. So uh, 50,000 in Mississauga in 2007, eight and nine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Look at that. <laughs> and then, but that was so quick because that moves around, like it went up again, just like a stock, just over a year. And then now it happened like the pandemic, like 2020. Like if you bought the, uh, the peak of pandemic between like October of 2019 to March, you've done very well. Because after that 2020, a lot of investors are buying now. So those critical period, I bought my properties in Sudbury. So where nobody was buying, I was like, you know, the mark, the, the property was just there for like one to three months. And then I pick it up. And then like beginning March of 2020, uh, beginning of this year, March 2021, that's where the property get really like bumped up and a lot of investors are buying now. Yeah. I mean, it's important to be ahead of the curve. And, and I think at the uh, the other part of it too is you you know you do want to do your due diligence in the market because right now there's there's a shortage of inventory you know by the time at the time that we're recording this and not all markets are created equal but it sounds like you've done your due diligence and making sure that like you know from a long term standpoint do these markets make sense for you based on your goals and I think the fixed question that they always ask me at the time when I was investing when no one no one is investing at that time for that period is. Why would you invest on that place? I guess that's the always question. Like when they went to Niagara, why would you invest in Niagara, right? And they said when I was living in Mississauga, I said, why would you go to Hamilton? But look at Hamilton right now. Mm-hmm. So, okay. So I want to talk to you about JVs because we, we had briefly mentioned it and covered it in, uh, at the start of this podcast. But are, are all of your 47 doors with joint ventures minus your Mississauga one? I have three uh, properties under my personal name with my husband and the rest are JV partners. So okay. I have new one coming in. My JV partner is my son who's oh, nice. 20 year old. Oh, perfect. That's nice to bring in family. So I know. how do you mostly find the joint venture partners? Are they people that you knew prior? Are they friends, family? Are they people that you met networking? How did you find them? Those are my circle of friends actually. So we met them to a real estate organization and some common acquaintances that we have common network but if they are like you know newbie i send them to the real estate organization just to change the mindset okay so they're, they're, ready. They're, they're just getting started they're people that are watching you go and they're you know you know them maybe personally and you want them to like open their mind to investing yes. and investing in real estate and then you kind of cultivate that so, so you're going out there, you're finding deals, and then you're bringing them in as what, the money partner and financing partner? Like how are you structuring it? Different investors, different people can be structured differently. I have so many um, structure in JB. One JB is like I structured that I will be, I will not be on the title, but I will be the money partner. So that's one property that we closed uh, last week. And then there's another property that we have. It turned out we're supposed to be three partners there and then the other one back out. So I have to find like within 24 hours a partner. It's a good thing that I reach out to one network and she's willing to join because she knows her market. She's locally based there. So she would know the market more than I. So I don't even know her at all. So sometimes like, you know, the most people that would trust you is sometimes like people that you don't know. And then when you talk and you have the same mindset, 
uh, they are all win to go. So that one is a shared equity. Okay. So some of them, you're, so when you say somebody's on title, that means that they're holding the mortgage and then behind the scenes, you have a joint venture agreement. Yes. Your shares as an example, correct? Yes, exactly. Okay. All right. And then they're all a little bit different. So sometimes mm-hmm. you're, you're the money partner, sometimes they're the money partner and the mortgage holder. Uh, and, and you're the deal finder, but not always. So it depends on the yes. deals. Are you ever worried that you're going to do a deal with the wrong partner? Um, I haven't so far, knock on wood. I haven't uh, experienced anything at all because like I'm kind of like picky to um, like, you know, to join venture partner because a lot of people like even the people that I don't know, they can reach out to me, but I don't do partnership if the people that I don't know are not in my own network. Okay. So there are people that you know ahead of time. So, you know, maybe you've, you've gone to dinner with them a bunch of times. You have mm-hmm. them over at your house. Okay. You know, what kind of contingency, like, like what's your discussion like? Because obviously if, if, you know, you're, you're bringing in a joint venture partner, many things happen, right? You know, what is the protocol if, for example, like they're not, happy with the partnership or you're not happy with the partnership we sell the, the best protocol for that is sell the property so just like the very first um joint venture partnership that i have like she she's single and she wanted to buy her own right and we have like to hold the property to like five years to have it like appreciate more that is in niagara but she came to me she said like you know on the second year and she said like my condo is closing and I have to move in and I need the money. So I look at the market. I said, do we have enough spread? And when I realized there's enough spread, so I'm okay to let go because at the end of the day, as long as we have enough spread, we're both in. Okay. All right. Awesome. So, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's so inspiring to see, you know, what you've accomplished from the time that we met. I didn't even know that was your first networking event at all. Cause that was the first time yeah. I was going to this particular one. That's, that's very cool. So, you know, what's next for you? Like, what, what are you looking to accomplish in the next five years? Yeah. So right now I'm still be, um, a managing partner. I'm the active partner. I'm the one finding the deals as well. But um, like, you know, my five-year plan is to turn and switch that into a passive partner because I want to help out as well. I want to give back to the community the blessings that I have during this period. And I want to help out those aspiring investors as well that was reaching out for funds because I know what it feels to be reaching out there to different people as well and trying to like, you know, work on, on all those deals that they wanted to scale up. So I know I feel their hurdles and um, like, you know, time consuming discussion, but it pays off. So I give them advice and maybe I could also give like, you know, potential insights on them where I will be a passive partner because I usually like look at the deals and I also like, you know, sometimes guide them. Like when people approach me and they wanted to partner as a being like, you know, uh, an active partner and I'll be the passive partner, I'm willing to support them. Okay. All right. That's amazing. So you want to join venture passively or lend out your money passively like you were the bank, for example. So I can do my own thing because I, I'm into like, you know, organizing charity events mm-hmm. and I wanted to support and do research on like the things that I wanted to do, like Alzheimer's. 
um, society. So I'd like to do more research and reach out to different organizations similar to that because I have my mother-in-law who has an Alzheimer and it's kind of like frustration. There's not available medicines out there, but there's some activity that can retard the growth of the Alzheimer's. Yeah, that's amazing. You're, you're a wonderful human. <laughs> Thank you. So, so Jenny, the next part of the podcast is our lightning round and every guest will answer the same five questions. Are you ready to play? Yeah, I'm very much ready. This week's lightning round is brought to you by Megan Chomut. If you're looking for a great financial advisor to add to your team who actually understands and incorporates real estate as part of your overall plan and gets your money working for you, you can reach out to Megan at meganchomut.com forward slash Sarah. And also she's offered for my podcast listeners to provide you with a free customized individualized 90 day game plan for getting ahead. So to get that, go to meganchomut.com forward slash Sarah. That's M-E-G-H-A-N-C-H-O-M-U-T.com forward slash Sarah. And now back to the show. All right. So here's question number one. And, and before this, I know you said that you you analyzed them, so I won't change them up on you for a joke. I'll, I'll give you the real ones. Because <laughs> I, I was like, hmm, maybe I can change them up since you've, uh, you've done so much, so much listening to the, the podcast in the past. But question number one, what was your favorite real estate investing book? Uh, my real estate investing book, Joint Venture Partnership by Russell Westcott. All right. Cool. Number two, this does not have to be real estate specific. Do you have a favorite podcast? It's about kids. Okay. All right. Never heard of that one. Number yeah, there's so many of them. <laughs> <laughs> Number three, what do you do for fun when it's not anything to do with real estate? I like like, you know, going out and um, not just like window shopping and watching um, like Good Doctor. Okay. All right. Number four, if you lost everything tomorrow, all your assets, all your money, properties, etc., how would you start again? House hacking. All right. Great answer. And number five, if somebody has $50,000, how would you recommend they get started? I would divide it into two. So invest in um, secondary market. And then the second one is uh, find a mentor to educate yourself because that would speed up the process. All right. Great answers. Jenny, where can my listeners reach out and find out more about you? Yeah, I'm in social media. I have my Facebook account, Jenny Lynn Gagatiga. And I have now my Instagram, which I just created this year, is investor. Amazing. Jenny, thank you for being on the show. It was a pleasure having you on. Congratulations on everything you've accomplished and also everything you want to accomplish with giving back. That's amazing. So thank you. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you for having me. I appreciate the time that you have spent with me and I miss you. Yeah, I know. I'll have to get, get together soon. <laughs> yeah, let's get it. Let's do it. Thank you very much. I appreciate the time. Thanks. Hey guys, before you go, I wanted to ask you a question. What's stopping you from starting or growing your own real estate investment portfolio? I know for me, before I started, I had plenty of reasons and at the time they all seemed very valid. But as I started my journey, these reasons slowly fell away and eventually only one reason remained. What was actually stopping me was having a proven, actionable, repeatable system. I didn't have that. And the way that was going to change was by investing in myself, learning, listening, and looking for ways that worked. And also, most importantly, discovering what didn't and not making those mistakes again. Fast forward to today, I now have a proven, repeatable series of action steps that has enabled me to build my seven-figure portfolio consisting of multiple homes, and I'm able to manage that in two to three hours a month. Is that something that you would want? 
Well, I've actually taken all the knowledge I've accumulated and put that into a comprehensive step-by-step -step online program. It's called Rise, and it's a program that will help you from where you are now to where you want to be faster and with less of the headaches that I had. So it consists of all the templates and the resources that I use, plus over 40 instructional videos that you get lifetime access to for just a small one-time investment. And, you know, my recommendation is to make the time now to invest in yourself and grow your portfolio to seven figures so that you can bring your retirement dreams closer. If you want some more information about Rise, just go to sarahlarby.com forward slash R-I-S-E to access more details and book your spot. Thanks so much for listening to Where Should I Invest with your host, Sarah Larby. Make sure to listen in next time. We'll catch you on the next episode of Where Should I Invest.